Okay, we are going to continue our um, Sunday sermon sessions in the Gospel of John. The portion of Scripture in which we will look at this day is found in chapter 14, verses 15 through 31. Verses 15 through 31. Here, in context, to which we must respect and honor, Christ is speaking specifically to his uh, uh, disciples, his apostles. And of course, within the information that will be delivered to them specifically, the understanding is uh, uh, available to know that some things will go on after the Christ has fulfilled the death, burial, resurrection, witness, and ascension. And that the, um, uh, the apostles will have a task moving forward. Christ has been teaching them this coming moment of sacrifice. He has been teaching them the conduct that is upright for servants of the kingdom cause, the good news of the kingdom, the good news of our Lord and Master. He has set forth in their hearts in teaching with authority that being servants of one another is faithful. <clears throat> to be kind, to be loving, to have compassion, to be understanding, to facilitate and cultivate peace among each other. And of course, such things cannot have their reception without law and order and justice. For it is impossible to embrace the grace and mercy of our Lord and Master within the covenant He is about to bleed for if we are not versed within the law and order and justice of His being. And that is indeed an important authority He spoke to His people. We got ourselves a blinking light over there. If anything, you can... You can turn it off or whatever if it's being a problem. It might be the other one there. I'm sorry. The bulb usually, when it gets old like that, it'll start to twinkle away. And just, you should just turn it off. Yeah. Why there would you we take go. out the bulb when, you're, when it's still on? Oh, I don't think that was the attempt. All right, guys, let's stay focused, okay? Within the text, we find, of course, the information that will move forward in... Uh, explaining to his uh, disciples what will be taking place. And if our hearts are open to the information as it should be, humble to the information, we will see what is taking place uh, uh, for his uh, entourage. So verse 15, we begin chapter 14, John, it says, if conditional you, independent accountability, specifically in context, speaking to his apostles, if you love me. Well, that, of course, applies to all of us even today in practical application. And it can be said of a great many things. If my children love me, what will they do? Well, they will keep my commandments, the rules of the house, if you will. Why? Well, because there's order there. And within this house for my children are found all the blessings available to them, food, shelter, and clothing. And so I set forth to them of their free will to do the chores, right? Clean your bedroom, go put out the garbage, go mow the lawn, and all these things. And they do so without grumbling, without murmuring, 
They do so eagerly. Why? Because they love mom and dad. And that makes us happy. And that makes us proud. And that's a good thing to recognize and to um, reward, which is why they receive their pay or their uh, allowance, if you will. If you love me, Jesus says, you will keep my commandments. One must keep the commandments he is teaching. And he has taught love, unity, peace, friendship, none of which, of course, can come without change, which is why the first recorded words of the Christ in the Gospel of Matthew was repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repentance is a chief command in all who seek freedom and privilege in Christ. We must be willing to change our thoughts, which would lead to a change in life. Hardened hearts will never allow themselves to soften to a measurement receptive to the information Christ speaks. So if you love me, he says, you will keep my commandments. And to keep is to live by the statutes and principles and orders of our Lord and Master. You live by them. And so he speaks in verse 16, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. Throughout the duration of their lives is the information you would find behind the idea of the original language. So Christ is indeed an advocate he is the liaison in which we make our way to the Father, and there is no other. But there is another, and that is indeed the Holy Spirit, to which was specific. And we must understand this so as to not go down the erroneous canals of sensationalism, <coughs> superstition, myth, and the great ocean of many errors that are found out there in the world. He is specifically speaking of another, for Christ himself on earth with them was a helper, an advocate, a defender and proclaimer of the truth. But he must go in the fulfillment of the gospel to die on a cross, witness to 500 plus souls, and then ascend to the right hand of the Father. They would have been left as orphans. Who will take care of us if you leave? There is another to come. Just like me an advocate, the parakletos, in its original form. And this here, the parakletos, and I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right, but it's along those lines, and I, I, I always, uh, 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 um, how should I say, lovingly suggest your way to have your own studies and look at these words and look at what is taking place here. And so he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. And in a bit of an excursion for your notes, if you will, it's another location of evidence proving that there is but one God, but he is in three persons. For Christ himself says here, I will give you another helper, another. There is no other God but one, monotheistic, yet in one God, three persons. 
who are indeed descriptive of their own task and office, yet together united as one. The mystery therein revealed. So he says, back from our excursion to the text, will give you another helper that he, this other helper, may be with you forever. The, again, understanding of the forever for this context, if you have your own personal studies to reveal, is speaking of the life duration of the apostles. Now, in practical application, as a result of the apostles becoming the recipients of a miraculous endowment governed by the Holy Spirit, you and I today have the written product, which the scriptures would reveal as the perfect law of liberty. And he says in which the task of this here uh, function, if you will, of the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. Verse 17. That is the spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. This here in a rightly in a rightly handled scripture, is speaking, of course, of the moment they will become the recipient of the Holy Spirit, which is known as the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which was specific only to them in the first century, and we must respect that. In the scriptures, for your notes, a bit of an excursion, the New Testament does speak of several baptisms. It speaks of the baptism of fire. You don't want that one. That is the baptism of eternal judgment, which was upon the Pharisees of the day. John, the baptizer, spoke of that baptism. The baptism of fire, you don't want that. There was the baptism of the Christ, which was unique and for him only. It meant going to the cross as a perfect lamb to sacrifice his life. So there's two baptisms that don't belong to us. There was the baptism of repentance, which belonged to John the Baptist. That don't belong to us. There was the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which was the baptism in which the apostles and the apostles only were going to become recipient of, which is, of course, all recorded and witnessed in Acts chapter 1 and 2. So which baptism is left for you and I today. Well, the baptism of the new birth, of course, out of water and the Spirit, the words in which you and I today can read and obey. Let that marinate in your thoughts as we return from the excursion back to our text. This here, speaking of the coming baptism of the Holy Spirit, there was going to be the apostles and there was going to be the house of Cornelius in order to confirm that the Gentiles could also, could also qualify to be immersed, born again in the baptism that all men must obey for entrance into the kingdom, the location of salvation. 
I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper and he will be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, verse 18. I will come to you. I will not leave you as orphans. This not specific to a parent, a, 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 uh, how, how should I say it? Uh, this is not through the lens or context of parental guidance. Okay? This is not through the lens of a mom and a dad. This is through the lens of an advocate. Someone there who will defend and teach and instruct and proclaim, guide you. You will not be left orphan. There is another just like me, to come for you. Matter of fact, I have to go so that he can come. And he is the spirit of truth. Christ is the truth. I am the way and the truth and the life. The Holy Spirit is not the truth, but pointing to the truth, defending the truth, proclaiming the truth, which will be done through the vessels of the apostleship. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me. Verse 19, he's about to die. But you will see me because I live. You will live also. We remember God in three persons. The miraculous endowment of the Holy Spirit would govern these men into all truth. This is supernatural. And because of that, they would have the comfort of the Christ and his teachings within their mind, never to lose their free will. And therein the power of God through the vessels of mankind to fulfill the will, the testament. In that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Verse 20, verse 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and will disclose myself to him. What is love? Love is obeying the commandments of God. Not in a mechanical way, but in spirit and truth, with the right heart and the right mind. This indeed set forth to his apostles, yet in practical application, we can see how that is available to us this day, and it should be also obeyed through our free will. If we say we love Jesus, yet do not follow the words of the Holy Spirit written in this book, then we are a walking contradiction, and we cannot move forward in life. He who has my commandments and keeps them. You live by them. Why? Because you know who Jesus is and you seek to follow him. To his apostles, they would understand all things to their remembrance. You and I, we have to read this book over and over and over again. We have to memorize verses. And at times we always have to go back because we'll say, I know it's in the Bible somewhere. I've read this certain word. I have to go looking for it. What the apostles were going to receive is all of it in their minds. They wouldn't need to say, I can't remember. They would remember. It was supernatural. 
He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. We have seen previously in our sessions prior how the Christ, through his authority, defended his equality with the Father, deity, divine. And so one is with the other. They are united. Now, of course, verse 22, Judas, not Iscariot. And that is, of course, quite a revealing verse to how severe Judas Iscariot lawlessness and crime against Christ was. It was so bad that if your name was Judas, you had to make sure you're not that one. <laughs> Judas, not Iscariot, said to Jesus, Lord, what then has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? Remember, these men, these men thought that Jesus was going to set up an earthly kingdom with uh, uh, um, earthly soldiers that were going to overthrow the Roman Empire. See, Christ saw further than that. He wanted to establish a kingdom that would conquer all earthly empires, not just the Roman one. And in order to do that, a kingdom had to be built by the hand of God, which is supernatural, to which no man can destroy. If violent and evil, wicked men entered this house and slaughtered us all today, guess what will remain tomorrow? The church of Christ. The kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God. Not the title on a sign outside, but the description of our Lord and Master within the hearts of men through this book. Evil has been trying to extinguish us for millennia. We've gone through ages in which the Bible was burnt and kept away from the people, and anyone who dared have a Bible in their hands were to be crucified. And yet here we are, still today, with an open book that reveals life and an ocean of death around us. The message of the truth had to be given to the apostles as Christ departed, and such was going to be done in a supernatural way upon the twelve vessels of that age. So Judas, his mind, not Iscariot, his mind is earthly, it's physical. What do you mean, my Lord, that we are... Going, that you are going away? What? I don't understand. Like, how can the world not see you physically? The, he's thinking physically and earthly. Like, aren't you going to build a kingdom on this earth and overthrow the Roman power? Jesus does not directly address the concern, but he says to Judas, not Iscariot, in verse 23, If anyone loves me, he will keep my what now? Word. Word. You know how important that is? Word. What are you seeking? We must seek His Word. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him and will 
and we will come to him and make our abode with him. The grammar, which we respect, because that is indeed the uh, literature and organization God chose to communicate with us, is directed to his immediate apostleship. They were going to be miraculously governed by God, the Holy Spirit, He, person of the Godhead. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. That is how we can test the spirits when individuals say, I love Jesus, but yet do not keep his word. If we love Jesus, we will stay away from sin. We will stay away from falsehood and superstitions. The very things that can corrupt our heart and minds away from reality. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. That is how, in practical application, you and I today have the Father, Son, and Spirit within our hearts. When we read the words of the Spirit, study the words of the Spirit, believe the words of the Spirit, and obey the words of the Spirit. My dear friends, we are the recipients of God within us and we within Him. He, verse 24, who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Everyone who rejects and neglects these words that we are reading does not have the Father, does not have the Son. And it was quite telling that Jesus said that to the religious leaders of the day, the Sanhedrin, the socio-political power and oppression that governed the Jews in the first century, individuals who were sought in the community as royalty of the scholarship ground. Christ came and told them, you belong to your father, a murderer and a liar from the beginning. You think you know the scriptures, you don't know the scriptures. The Father is not within you, for you neglect and reject the word of the Son. That is what makes us unique, my dear friends, as the East Coast Church of Christ. We understand these words, and we want to be verse 23, do we not? We don't want to be verse 24, we want to be verse 23. Verse 25 we move forward. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. The Christ Jesus is alive physically, literally, among them. But the Helper, verse 26, which is the Spirit of Truth, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. John's pen inspired, if you recognize and discern properly in verse 16 says, I will ask the Father. Who? The Christ will ask the Father. The Son will ask the Father. But yet John, in inspiration, in verse 26 says, whom the Father will send in my name through the authority of the Christ. Why? Because it's interchangeable. It's all God. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things 
and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Everything that was taught to these apostles by the Christ will be miraculously endowed within them to know and proclaim. And again, all of which came to be witnessed and recorded in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. Verse 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. The turmoil of persecution, the uncertainties of this life, and our health, everything that might be hostile or of great concern, Christ can deliver to us peace. That peace is eternal. It's not like the world and what it offers in peace. For what the world offers as peace is temporal. It's not everlasting. But what the Christ can uh, 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 deliver our way is indeed eternal. Which means you can go through everything. You can persevere through everything that comes your way. Anxieties. Fears. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. And this is the connection and we must not misunderstand. The Holy Spirit miraculously was going to come to the twelve apostles. Through the twelve apostles they were going to write information. Through the written information they wrote, inspired, miraculously, you and I today have its result. It's right here. We have this book. And so through this book, we read the words of the Holy Spirit written, and we can be comforted. We can have peace. You heard, he says in verse 28, that I said to you, I go away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I go to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. This must not be misunderstood. Jesus was a man. And as a man on this earth, he was submissive to his Father in heaven. He lowered himself from the majesty of on high, the realm of the heavenly abode, in order to become mankind. So he was subject, submissive to his Father in heaven. That is the condition and context in which he speaks. Yet he is equal in deity to the Father. Now I have told you, verse 29, before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe. They are about to witness their best friend, who loved them, nourished them, guided them, forgiven them, given them all the physical and spiritual blessings one can find. They're about to witness him being murdered. And they can't wrap their mind around it quite yet. It doesn't make sense. I thought you were going to build an earthly kingdom. But once it takes place, and they become the recipients of the Holy Spirit, they will fully embrace the understanding and believe. Oh, right. See, you and I have the blessing of retro. <laughs> we can read all the information and understand the account. At them, for them, in that moment, it must have been truly frightening. Which is why, again, Christ says it within his peace, 
that there is no need to be troubled or fearful. Now I have told you before it happens, so that when it happens you may believe. I will not speak much more with you, verse 30, for the ruler of the world is coming and he has nothing in me. He has nothing to do with me. We have no business together. Well, who's the ruler of the world? The devil, Satan, the influence of demonic presence and all things that are immoral and perverted, wicked and lawless, which masquerades itself as an angel of light. I will not speak much more with you, for the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. We remember the Judas in which would betray him, his own friend. But ah, uh, he says, uh, verse 31, But so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father commanded me. Get up, let's go from here. The Son shows the Father His love by obeying His commandments. We show Jesus we love Him by obeying His commandments. The baptism in which these apostles were going to experience is recorded in Acts chapter 1, more specifically. For you and I today, through the delivering message of the Holy Spirit, are commanded to be born again. See, we were born through our mother's womb. That is natural. That is within the condition of procreation, when a male and female come together. But we must be born again not once again to enter our mother's womb, but rather as independent, accountable souls with the intellectual capability of understanding these words and acting upon them. Why? Because if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, and you are willing to confess Him as your ruler and king, And if you have a humble heart to repent of sinful beliefs and activities, you qualify to become a legal citizen of His kingdom. We call on His name and you are immersed, plunged, dipped, submerged, clothed, buried, baptized. When you come up out of that water, all your sins have been forgiven. And you must walk faithfully, submissive to one another and your elders, as Christ is head of His church. And you will be the recipient of all spiritual blessings. And that is indeed a very peaceful and comforting teaching. It makes us one. It has us understand His love and acting upon it. Okay, so that'll conclude that portion of Scripture for this session. And uh, we will move forward in a song. 55.